Hi there, welcome to today's edition of the Suffolk Money Podcast. We're out and about today, so if the sounds uh, comes across as being a little bit different, then you're, you'll understand why. Uh, this time we're visiting a really interesting charity in Ipswich called Tools with a Mission, or sometimes referred to as TWAM. So you might hear TWAM in the conversations. Uh, so one of the interesting things with Tools with a Mission is the way in which they approach the work that they do and how it benefits three different aspects of life Uh, and you'll hear that as uh, we go through some of the conversations and some of the uh, interviews that we have. What we thought we would do is we started with the chief executive Mike and we then worked our way through into the warehouse uh, talking to people who were carrying out the work uh, and then finished off back in the office again. Absolutely superb conversations. One thing I must just point out is the only day I could visit them was on a Friday and it just so happens that there weren't any female volunteers or members of staff in on that day. But please don't think that they uh, don't have females involved. If it's something that's of interest to you, you can uh, make contact with them and I'm sure they'd be only too pleased to have a conversation with you. So, of course, the primary objectives of the um, podcast are to talk to people in Suffolk, um, either business leaders, uh, because you can spend your money, uh, charities and community organisations, because you can give it away, or the third thing is uh, financial experts, because you can save it and use it again in the future. So they very much fit within that charity framework. And... They have work that goes around the whole of Africa. They have partners who they deal with, as you'll find out. And uh, it's just an amazing story and something that, although it's a little hidden in in Ipswich, is something which benefits people um, all over. So this is Tools with a Mission. Uh, So, Mike, it's really good to be able to meet with you, Mike Griffin. Your role here is what? Uh, I'm the Chief Executive of Tools with a Mission. And tell us a bit about, first of all, Tools with a Mission. What's the background? What's the story behind the organisation? Well, it started about uh, 30 years ago when our founder went to Sierra Leone and realised the desperate need for tools out there and then quite inspirationally because 30 years ago people weren't really talking about you know recycling and sustainability um, realised the amount of tools that were being thrown away in this country and decided to send some out there so that was quite ad hoc initially but then over the years then other people have caught the, the passion he was part of the Baptist Men's um, Association and they got on board and they helped develop TWAM for about the next sort of 10 or 15 years. I'm probably getting a little bit of these facts wrong, but hey-ho. Um, <laughs> there or thereabouts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, comments on a postcard. And, and then it became independent about 18 years ago. And that's when we sort of moved to Ipswich. So when we're talking about tools initially, was it different to what you're dealing with now? It was. Initially, I think it was tools and incubators, egg incubators, they, they sent out. But they would literally just send out tools. And then people would say, well, what should we do with the tools we've got now? Now, much more organised, much more focused. So now we send out trade kits. So we would have 
a kit for every single trade. Bear in mind, most of Africa where we work, it's like 50 years ago here, where you, know, you had lots of, of small tradesmen working in villages and towns. So we would have um, a carpentry workshop kit, we would have a mechanics kit, and a builders, a plumbers, electricians, all of those trades we have, we have set kits for that we are sending out. Plus, of course, these days, computers. And our biggest item is and will always be sewing machines. So we're sending, for example, at the moment, about three, three and a half thousand sewing machines a year. And that number is just going up and up and up. So it's, it's quite a, a significant operation mm. that we have these days. Yeah, I was aware of your sewing machine work. Um, to, just explain how they're used in different, because I suppose the context might be different every time when one or a pair or however many get sent out. Yeah, the principle we work on is that first of all, we provide the tools for training centers. So sewing machines are inevitably first choice for women. Men as well, but first choice for women. So if a church or a local community wants to meet the need of vulnerable women, um, widows, um, women, who, young girls who've dropped out of school and if they're not careful are going to be dragged into all sorts of very nasty things, then their first choice is to teach them tailoring. So they'll come to us and we will provide them with the same machines to equip a, a training centre where they then invite them in, then as they complete their courses, we would again want them to apply for same machines. So when they leave, they leave with a same machine to start up their own business. And again, we would hope the group would teach business skills and accounting and entrepreneurship and things like that alongside the training course they're, they're doing. And that's exactly the same pattern, whether it's carpentry or mechanics or computing, that the aim would be they would build first equipped a training centre and, I mean, that sounds very grand. It might be 30 or 40 sewing machines. It might be two or three, depending on where it is. Mm. But the same principle would apply to all trades. Mm. So uh, when we're talking about the destinations of these particular items, you mentioned Africa, obviously a big continent. But are there specific countries where you do most of your work? Yes, um, our biggest country is Zambia, where we've been for about 10 or 12 years. Then we also are in Uganda and Zimbabwe and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And next year we are adding Malawi and Tanzania because we're in a, a significant growth period at the moment. And then we're looking again at expanding around sort of that eastern, southern part of Africa. So Namibia we're talking to, Rwanda to gain more countries, but focusing initially at least for the next five or ten years on Africa, then we may expand into other, other areas. So how do you develop those relationships then? We start off with the partner. So, I mean, the best example is probably Zimbabwe. So when we went to Zimbabwe, we made some feelers into the country for people we knew because... What often happens is if, you, if you're not working in a country, people from that country will apply to the next nearest country and just travel and collect their tools. So you build up a, a few links in the countries you want to go to, and that's why it's East Africa. You know, we're, we're expanding next to somewhere where we're already working, so there's contacts. Mm. 
So we then just talked to all of the different people we already knew, mm-hmm. and one of them just stood out. So we formed a partnership with them. They were then very proactive because they are a charity in themselves, working with vulnerable women. And they put adverts in newspapers and they contacted all the people they were working with. Um, and they were quite high up in the Catholic Church there. So again, they could spread us into that. And then it's just one-to-one. We, we never advertise in a country. Mm-hmm. So it's always, our growth is always, oh, I've had tools and tools with a mission. Why don't you apply? Mm. Um, and that's the story. So often we were looking at doing some project and then I went to a village and I saw this project and said, well, how did you get your tools? Well, we got them from. So the combination of them just going out and talking to their contacts, um, getting tools themselves, again, that people were seeing mm. and advertising, you know, launched our work in, Zim- in Zimbabwe. Mm. In some countries like um, Tanzania, now, a local church down the road from us, because we are a Christian charity, you know, their minister has worked in Tanzania and came and said, you know, if you need to do some work in Tanzania, I can recommend this person. And we took their recommendation and we agreed a partnership with them and, and they're our way into Tanzania. So finding the partner is absolutely crucial mm-hmm. to them. It blossoms from there. And I suppose that way you're able to keep a better track of the usage and ensure that it is going for the purpose that you're intending. Yes. I mean, one of the great strengths of, first of all, sending tools, not money, is the danger of corruption is is almost nil. Secondly, of course, if someone is recommending someone to you, they're not going to recommend someone they don't trust. So that builds in a, a huge... Um, confidence level for us and thirdly we we, yeah we do have in-country teams so we do annual assessments of every group as well Mm. because we need to be sure of the impact Mm. of the work that they are doing but you know in terms of goods going astray Mm. or tools not being used the way we are wanting them to be used you could almost count on one hand the number Mm. of concerns we have in a year right Bearing in mind, we're sending to six, seven hundred groups Goodness. every year. It's very, it's very, very low because of the nature of how we mm. we uh, we accept applications. Mm. So, just a final question for you, Mike, before we have a little wander around and meet some other people, and that's just to find out about you. As in, how long have you been here, and uh, what was the appeal, and what were you doing previously? Was a, you know, another organisation that was shipping tools around, and it was just a natural progression. <laughs> There aren't many people that do what we do. I mean, we often look to find, I mean, there are one or two um, smaller ones, but you would think this was a pretty obvious thing to do, really, but it's not. Mm. There's no one in Europe, for example, doing this. Um, Well, my background was actually church ministry. I did 10 years um, working in, in church ministry. I'm quite happy to be honest and say that was incredibly hard. Um, and and left that, and and then sort of praying that through because obviously Christian in a Christian charity, you know, very felt very clearly led to go and work for the leprosy mission in community fundraising, which was back in churches, thousands and thousands of churches, um, promoting, you know, the work of the leprosy mission, and did that for about twelve thirteen years. 
and then again really felt very strongly and mm. God was saying it's time to go it's time to go so fought that one because I was in principle very happy and then started looking around and started looking and obviously the, the obvious things were to stay in fundraising and I didn't I didn't want to stay in fundraising and then one day you know my wife just said well why don't you look on uh, Premier Christian Radio their website they do jobs so I thought I'll have a look. I was getting quite despondent at this point. And as I looked at it, I was about to just look at it. Oh, I don't like any of them. This advert just blinked at me. And it did literally blink. Um, that's not a spiritual. <laughs> it did. It's blinked. And it was Tools with a Mission. And we'd heard of this because we'd, we'd donated tools here. And, and I just really felt God said, that's where you're going. And, and I just had to fill the application for me. And I just couldn't sit. I couldn't even sit down. It was Christmas. I thought, oh, I wait till after Christmas. And yeah, and then it was so obvious to me. And when I was interviewed by the chair and a couple of others, you know, he said that afterwards, he said, when I got your application, I took it to my wife and said, this is our new CEO. Mm -hmm. So it was quite remarkable how, 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 how we came here. So we've been here for eight years. And I must be honest, I... My heart and passion is, is development. You know, there's, there's guys here, you'll meet some, who are so excited about tools. I mean, it's no great secret. I'm not that excited about tools. I'm excited about the impact of tools. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is what I, I love. And I love the fact, fairly uniquely again, you know, if you, if you fund a project financially, I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, we have we, we support loads of schools and we had a school in Zambia in Lusaka coming to us to apply for a carpentry workshop kit because the school had just opened in an area where very high unemployment no one had money for schooling so the government wouldn't open the school there's no point because no one can afford school fees it'll be empty so this guy Neboth opened one and he had a hundred pupils and he could have applied to a charity for money and they'd have had to fund 100 pupils, you know, 10 teachers, feeding them because they only knew they were going to get year on year on year on year. And they'd have become dependent on that funding. But instead, he said, I don't want to be dependent on funding. So he found a guy who was a carpenter. He applied for a carpentry kit from us. And that guy committed... And one day, one week a month to the school. So firstly, he made all the furniture for the school. So that's a huge cost save. Mm -hmm. Then he started making furniture. And the furniture he's making and selling is funding the school. So it's completely sustainable. They got a, they got a sewing machine and another volunteer then used that sewing machine to make the school uniforms that the parents could never possibly afford mm -hmm. to make. Then in the afternoon, she's making clothes to sell, on, to, again, to raise funds for the school. Mm. And, and in the evenings, the, the teachers who are paid a, a very, very low salary, mm. they use the same machines to make clothes to sell to supplement their salary. Mm. So to me, you know, that's how it should be. Mm. But it's local people seeing a local need, knowing exactly how they want to meet it, not saying, just keep giving us money. We don't want to be dependent on you. Mm. You know, we're clever. We know how to, how to do things. Just give us the tools. Literally, give us the tools. 
and we'll do the rest. Mm. And, and we could sit here for the next week just going through projects like that. Mm. And, and that's what inspires me, is actually, is actually seeing you know, people are amazing if you just give them the opportunity rather than us going in and saying, right, this is what your problem is. This is how we're going to meet your need. Oh, okay then. But say, no, we know. We know what to do. You just help us do what we know what to do. And it's so powerful. Mm. It's so powerful. And it's, and it's empowering women. Because most, most of the work is actually women. Mm. You know, when they're standing up saying, we are going to change our community and this is how we're going to do it. So what we need you to do is just give us this. Okay, well, we still need to make sure you know what you're doing and you still need to explain it to us and, and give us an idea of your long-term plan. So it's not just here you are and we're still going to do an assessment, but basically you get on with it because you know exactly what you want to do. Mm. And, and that, that's what inspires me. Yeah. That's very different, isn't it, to just raising money and handing it over to people because, as you say, that can only be used once, whereas if you can give them something that's able to sustain. That's a really interesting story and, uh, yeah, very, very powerful. Well, I think we, if that's all right with you, we'll wander around and meet some other people then, shall we, around the, around the team? Yeah, very happy to come and introduce you to some of our wonderful volunteers and some of our staff who are here as well. Yeah, Lovely. Let's go. Okay, let's go, yeah. So we're now out in, in the main warehouse which is about 10,000 square feet where all the tools come in and where we do all the refurbishment um, so we're going to go and meet some of our volunteers and I think we're going to start with Jim with Jim one of our carpentry people right Jim we're just waving Jim over I think he's we're, quite busy we're interrupting his day and we haven't warned hello. Jim hello Jim can we just find out a little bit about you, how, how long you've been involved here? Yeah, well, I came here a little bit over 10 years ago when I retired, and so wanted something to do. I've always been a church goer, so I've known about Twam. And uh, I came here primarily because I thought it was a useful thing to do, providing employment in one of the poorest parts of the world. But uh, I rapidly discovered that there were three aspects to it, three wins. First win, you come here, you work with other guys, and you have a laugh. So socially, it's a very good thing to do. Mm. Secondly, it stops a load of stuff just being dumped in, in uh, landfill, basically. And so it's a good recycling centre, which is more and more current. Mm. Thirdly, of course, it is what I originally came here to do, which was creating work in, in uh, African countries. Yeah. And so it's basically a win-win-win. I've been 10 years, and I come in... Uh, three mornings a week right. to do it, so it gives me a sense of purpose as well. Lovely. So it's a, it's a great thing to do. I, I thoroughly support it, and I've encouraged other people to embrace it entirely. And so some of my men mates work here. Oh, now lovely! As well. You're getting a little community. So what did you do before you came here? You said well, you retired. I worked for, work for BT as a, a material scientist. Right. So um, it was sort of high-level stuff, if you like. Um, and when I came here, I thought there's not much call for material science doing what we do here, but it doesn't matter as long as you've got your head screwed on, right? You can do anything, basically. So, so what do you do when you come in on those three days a week? What do, oh, right. What do my, my, it seemed to have fallen in my accident, really. It was a big hole in carpentry tools. 
haven't got anybody basically to do it here. It was done elsewhere. Since they've centralised carpentry tools to two areas, one in um, rugby now and one here. And so I come in and basically refurbish carpentry tools along with a lot of other guys and we pack them into kits. Right. So they're all trade kits that we do here, yeah. you know, as you're sure you've heard. So my bit is carpentry kits and we do between 10 and 12 kits a week. So is there something you're working on right now? You know, what, what, no, I'm just, what, what, you, I'm, I'm, what will you I'm be just, doing today? I'm just literally just refurbishing stuff. Here's right. stuff which we um, are just get, whipping through. I'm about to go and get another box out of tools. Okay. We actually go to Goods Inwards where, yeah. the, where the, the stuff is uh, split up into different trades. My heap is all the old carpentry tools. Okay. So I sort through that, discard the ones that are not worth refurbishing and refurbish the ones which are worth refurbishing. And then we put them in the various bins for all the kits. And we have 33 different items in the carpentry kits. Uh, and then uh, on a Wednesday, we have three guys in, including myself, where we do all the packing. And that's, that's, that's the sort of um, where you can see where you've actually see been where doing. it's all heading. So all yeah. The, yeah, make all these kits up. And then yeah, they yeah. go out and every two or three weeks go on a container and off they go. Sharpening stones. We have uh, Stanley uh, tools where we have Stanley knives, we have pinchers, pliers, G-clamps, um, we have uh, set squares, um, more G-clamps, spokeshays, we have packs of tools, of uh, nails and screws, so these guys can start off when they haven't got any money at all, they've actually got nails and screws to work with. Um, and we also have uh, spirit levels, braddles, over here we've got nails, um, different sorts of files, um, brace and bit, drills, um, a very comprehensive saw. Absolutely. Sort of, about six different sorts of saw going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic stuff. Sword, yeah. It's, yeah. So everything is sort of covered, even down to sandpaper. And a, and a roll which they can put their tools in. Right, fantastic. The ladies make tool rolls. Right. And they can put their chisels and things like that. Okay, oh, fantastic yeah. stuff. So it's, it's very comprehensive, the kit. In fact, if I had a kit like that when I was younger, I would have been really envious. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> brilliant, so, isn't it? As you say, it just deals with so many different things. It gives you a sort of a social environment in which to work. You're using things that would have been thrown away and you're helping others as well it's absolutely yeah, it's a win, brilliant. Tri triple win triple win, win. i love that that's yeah, brilliant fantastic. thanks jim it's well, lovely pleasure. to talk to you thanks for that so we're now in the electrical department and mike is one of our key testers who's been here far longer than me 15 years and yeah mike's been to zambia as well so he's got some great stories of, of his time there and the work he's doing here so what have you got in front of you here, Mike? Just talk me at, through at it. At the moment, I've got an angle grinder, which appears to be brand new. The Goodness. tools and the accessories were in the polythene bags. Um, I used to wonder why we got tools like this that had never been used. And I was just saying to Mike that um, uh, I once went round to a house to a lady who wanted her husband's tools removed from his workshop. She told me that... Uh, his death was totally unexpected. So uh, she took me out to his workshop and there on the bench was a brand new bench grinder taken out of the cardboard box, but all the little bits still sealed in plastic bags. And I thought, this is the sort of situation, this is why people give us stuff that's, mm. that's never been used because Amazing. the person dies and that's yeah. it. 
So what are, you, what are you doing with this one here then? Is it just checking that although it looks in perfect condition, it absolutely is? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do a, a visual inspection first, make sure it looks all right, there's nothing broken, there's no cracks in the case where you could get your finger in or even a screwdriver in and, yeah. and get a shock. Um, I check the mains lead to make sure it's not damaged. Of course, this is a new one, but... Uh, Quite often people have used drills, jigsaws, and they've nicked the mains lead at some ah, stage. Goodness. So if the mains lead is damaged, then it will need to be replaced. Check the plug. The plugs are often cracked because people drop the plug. And uh, so the plug is replaced. When all of that is done, I plug it into this box here, which is uh, a portable appliance tester. And uh, I, I put it in there. I won't go through the whole test. No, no. It, take, it takes a while and it makes <laughs> a lot of beeps. <laughs> But I plug it in there, yeah. uh, press the, the, the buttons, and the tester then tests it electrically to make sure that there is no leakage from the motor that's going to make parts of the case, for instance, live, and uh, then give a shock to the recipient mm. out in Africa. Mm. So uh, we, we test things with this, this tester, as well as doing all the visual checks. Mm. And then it's all packed up and ready for shipping. And, and what types of electrical equipment are you dealing with? So obviously this is an angle grinder, which looks to me like something very scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, a, a very wide range of things. Um, we do a, a number of hand tools like this one, electric drill, jigsaws, things like that. that oh, oh, that's another angle grinder. Um, <laughs> uh, things that you just hold in your hand. But we also do uh, pillar drills. Uh, going from the small thing that you mount on the bench and just pull a little lever up to the big model that stands on the floor. I've had uh, pillar drills and bandsaws that are as tall as me and for the benefit of your listeners I'm six foot two. Uh, <laughs> so we do with some really big stuff. Um, yeah. Lathes, I mean they're, they're usually six foot bad yeah. yeah. um, and they've all got to be electrically tested. Uh, to make sure that they're okay before they're shipped. So this is very different to what I've just seen down at the other end, which is hand tools for carpentry. How do you ensure that people who pick these up at the other end on delivery have the ability to cope with them? We've got a number of partner organisations that we work with in Africa uh, who do vocational training classes. Um, Mike mentioned that I've actually been out to Zambia myself. I've visited 16 of these training schools and... Um, they are all making a really good job of training local people in how to use the tools, how to produce good quality work. Um, the thing that we saw the most of was ladies doing, being sexist here, but it was usually ladies doing dressmaking um, and uh, shirts and blouses and things like that on sewing machines. And then the next biggest uh, area is carpentry. Right using both hand tools and power tools to make mainly furniture. In Africa, in most places, you can't just go into a shop and mm. buy a, uh, a table, chairs and so on. You go to a carpenter and he makes it for you. Mm. Um, so these people are being trained in the training school and learning how to do the job properly and I was quite impressed with what I've seen them doing. Mm. Uh, I think they are getting good training. Yeah, that's really, really good. And, and how long have you been involved with, uh, with the work here? Uh, 15 years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I decided to come here ooh, at least a year before I retired. I read about it in a newspaper called the Baptist Times. And I thought, that sounds something that, that I could do. I've a a, always been a bit of a DIY person. And yet I'd spent my job in management and sitting at a computer all day. I wanted to get back to using my hands and, and so on. 
So it, it sounded like a good job. And um, so I started here as soon as I'd finished work. Well, in fact, I didn't stay out straight away because my wife was very ill and she was in hospital and then I was nursing her at home and running the house. So it was about two or three months before I actually started. And during that time, something else happened that I'd never thought of, and that is I began to miss the guys in the office. Mm. Every day I'd been going in, we'd been talking about the news and politics and last night's television and mm. so on, mm. and, of course, ribbing one another and cracking jokes and so on. Uh, I was at home with my wife. Much as I enjoy talking to my wife, it's just not quite the same. No, it's a different, <laughs> um, different type of social interaction, isn't it? That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I began to miss the guys. In fact, I bumped into one in the, at the shops one day and he said, are you missing work? And I said, not the work, no, but I'm missing you lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and coming back here filled that need. Mm. I do one day a week, most people do, so that means that I see the same people on my day, Friday, every time I come in, get to know them, know... Uh, what they're like, what amuses them, what their politics are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's very much a, a, a good sort of mental health thing. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Uh, yeah, we were just, you know, been picking that up as we go around is just that sense of, yes, you're doing good for others, of course you are, but actually there is a benefit to you in this as well. There is, there is indeed. Yes. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Mike. It's been lovely to see your work and it'll be really interesting to find out where that angle grinder ends up. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank Bye. you. Now we're going to have a chat to Des. Des is our longest serving volunteer. I won't embarrass him by saying his age, but he might tell you and how long he's been at Twain. But he's, he's been at, well, Des is just Mr. History. So, Des. Over to you then, Des. Tell us all about what you do. What I do here, what I do, all the tools that come from the electrical departments yep. come over here, they get put over there. Then I have to pack them, in, not myself only, there are maybe others, yeah. but when I'm here I'm on my own, and um, pack them into these banana boxes, which is the most suitable container. Yeah, they're quite robust, aren't they, yeah. these boxes? Yeah. Quite, um, they, yes, they are, but they're just a suitable size yeah. to handle and that sort of thing. But... Um, yeah, I've been, well, I've done every job here. I have think, you really? Yeah. Have you run it like Mike? Well, not quite. <laughs> not officially. <laughs> but I've done every job on the floor, shall yes, I say, yeah, yeah. not in the office. Uh, that's, yeah. that, that is done today. Yes. But uh, I've been around for 26 years is that right? here. Yeah. Uh, not here, other places, yes. but here now. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> I just do it, I just get on with it and uh, put, these, put them in here, pack them as best I can. Uh, there's no particular order. Right. You just have, as you get it, you put it in. We can't so, sort of. Be... So these are well, these are all ones with labels on. So that means they've been tested. They're okay. That's they're right. ready to that's, use. That's correct. Okay. Yes. Yep. These come to you. They've got the labels on. You know that's they're right, safe yeah. to go out. And then you're basically putting them in a box to ensure that. Uh, mainly, you can't get this stuff in a box. Oh no, that's a big old so chunky thing. What, is it? We oh. weigh them. By the way, we weigh everything. Not, ah. We weigh the boxes. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. And these we weigh separately. Right. And they go elsewhere. So what is that? There's a big blue thing, well, a bit like a briefcase anything, there, isn't it? I'm not sure. No, don't... don't, don't oh, it's a, cir oh, it's a circular saw. Yes, yeah, sir. Cool, so that so, is a heavy piece of equipment. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. As well, if they're not suited, if they're too big to go into there, then we have to do them separately. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Put them on um, weigh box. them separately, yeah, and then they're um, putting them out. We have a problem here at the moment, in as much 
Look, the other side of this, uh, the uh, racking here is full up right. with stuff to go out. Right. There's no more room there. So what I'm doing now is anything I get like this, I should put back into the silage. Yep. Although it's come out of it, yeah. put it back so that there's no other way. And then once it's in there, it can be pushed around to the packing area. Right. And then they can um, uh, sort it out over there. So yes. that's, that's basically what I do. Uh, so, so what? I haven't done it for 26 years. <laughs> I've done it for the latter part. So of probably have I, how long have I been doing this? Probably five years, right. four or five years. Yeah. And so what was this like when you first started? Well, well, well it oh, wasn't here, was it's it? It's grown no end yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, elsewhere we were at the yeah, time. Yeah. And um, yes, I've, I've done collecting from around the country and um, here, uh, here I've done forklift as well, not now, but um, all, all sorts of jobs really yeah, that we do, yeah, yeah. but basically this. I've, I've got other people that I have to see, apparently, Good. so I'm going to move okay. on. Okay. Um, lovely to meet you, Des. Thank you very much. Thank you. So you just talked to Des, who was going to retire when he got to 90, but then decided not to. And <laughs> you, now we go... You just let the cat out of the bag there. He's very happy for that. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it otherwise. But the other extreme is, is Sheldon. Now, Sheldon joined us when he was 16, because he was doing a carpentry course at college, and when he wasn't there, he came, he came here. Um, when he was 17, he then became our first refurbishment centre apprentice. Right. And he's within a few months now of finishing his, his apprenticeship, at which point he will then become our supervisor. So Fabulous. Sheldon is a fantastic support for us yeah. and well worth talking to. Sheldon, fantastic. So, uh, an apprentice. Yes. What's, what does that involve in terms of time here, studying? How do you balance the two and what's uh, the time? Well, I spend all my time at work and then usually sort of one day a week doing coursework right. in the workplace. Right. So the rest of the time is spent doing the physical job. Yeah. So what is the physical job? What's the, what does that involve? Uh, well, most of what I do is labelling stuff to get them ready for the container, right. assisting volunteers, and anything that a manager asks me to do. Okay, so when you're labelling stuff, what's what, talk me through an example of something you need to label and. Uh, for example, uh, a, a, a pack of levels, so small, medium, large. One of the volunteers will make the packs, so small, medium, large to a pack, and I stick a label on it, record the weight in the weights book, and then take it over to the tool out. Ah. And sure, they stacked properly. So we've just seen Des, and he's doing something similar with electrical. Yeah, so he's making sort of the packs, if you will. Right. So he's making the drills and power tool packs and the assorted power tool packs. Right. Yeah. As well as the individual power tools in boxes. So essentially, you're one step away from then getting uh, items into what a container or off yeah. to yeah. So once it's in tool out, it's Essentially, we don't touch it until we load it in the container. Right, okay. So essentially, you're the last step before it'll disappear off yeah. into f uh, foreign soil and we'll go off to somewhere else. Yes. So how did you, first of all, hear about Tools with a Mission? Uh, and then at the local church I went to. Right, okay. There was a few, volu few volunteers that are here yeah. or were here. Yeah. And so how did you then come to the conclusion that that was a great you know opportunity to you know do the apprenticeship or move from there how did that move well on? uh first reason for coming here was i needed additional learning hours right but it had to be related to carpentry so i started in a carpentry department yeah 
And then, as Mike said, spent more and more time here. Right. I enjoyed it, enjoyed being with the people. Yeah. And then was offered a job. So you were in college at the time? Yes. And then college didn't consume all five no, it was days. three so days. Were, three days, so you were volunteering here. Two days a week. Two days a week. And then you were able to develop that into a, an apprenticeship from there. Yeah. Well, wow, that's amazing. Yes. Fantastic. So what was the, what's the apprenticeship in? Uh, warehouse leader team supervisor. Oh, goodness. Right. That's quite a... Uh, I'm sure there's all sorts of health and safety stuff as part of uh, that. Not, not so much in the qualification itself. However, once I finish the official qualification, I'm going to be put onto an IOSH course. Oh, goodness. Which is right. a very recognised qualification for health and safety. Yeah. So what's the course consist of uh, at the moment? Then? Uh, learning time management, learning to coach people, really? learning systems. There's a few legality parts of it. Yeah. A few bits of health and safety, but not. Not enough for the work that I do. Okay, so you do need to then add that on once you're once that's complete. That's absolutely amazing. Sheldon, thank you so much. It's been lovely to meet you. Lovely and, to uh, meet you. Yeah, great work that you've um, chosen to be involved in. I think. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank you. So this is Richard. Now Richard has been with us longer than me. He can he'll probably tell you to the day how how many years he's been at at Twam. He's done lots of different things. But currently, he's doing all our agricultural tools um, that we that we send out, and and is with us between three and five days. Fantastic. Richard Richard comes in, an incredibly committed, lovely young man. So welcome to Richard. Richard, you were the happy, smiling face I saw when I first arrived. Yeah. So uh, it's good to meet you. Yeah. So what what have you been doing this morning? Doing garden tools. Okay, what sort of tools are you working on? I'm learning all about tools today, so tell me all about what you've been doing. Doing shovels and stuff like that, and yeah. bow saws, I do them, and shears, loppers. And, and what have you done with each of those? So let's take I, the, the shears, what, what's I involved? I tape them up in twos. Yeah. So they're in twos. Rough, sand them down and clean them up. Right, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so is it generally that you're you're really just making them usable, workable? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, talk us through, how, how long have you been here then? When did you start? I started in January 2014. Right, okay. Yeah. And how did you find out about it? Found it online. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. So what was, uh, what was it saying, and why did you think that might suit you? Just thought that would seem like something like what I would be interested yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And how's it gone? Is it, do you enjoy every day? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, what, what's, uh, what, 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 what does the day involve for you then? So when you arrive, what, what's the first thing you do? Do you have a different thing to do every day? I do the garden tools, clear the yard, and just do the garden tools and bits. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And load containers. Okay, tell, talk me through that, the loading of the containers, because that must be very exciting. Yeah. What, what happens when you load the containers? They just put boxes on and find small gaps. So are the boxes, the, so those are the packs? There's so that stuff over there, what goes... Okay. So when you're, you've got a, a load ready to go in a container, you're part of the team that fills in every little space yeah goodness me that must be uh, is that like a big jigsaw puzzle and you're just trying to find a little gap yeah <laughs> so what sort of things go in those containers 
carpentry kits, builders kits, all sorts really. Yeah. And, and, and then to your garden. Garden stuff, garden mechanic kits, kits, plumbers kits. Goodness. Yeah. Do you ever think about where things are going? About, you know, who might be opening it up the other end and the difference you make to them? Do you ever think about that? No. <laughs> I suppose that's quite a big leap, isn't it? To yeah. think that somebody in a country you've never been to, but you're making such a huge difference to people's lives by what you're doing. Yeah. Well, it's been really great to meet you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as I say, thank you for saying hello when I first arrived. That that's was, right. It's always nice to get a warm welcome and a nice yeah. smile. So thank you very much. That's right. Good to meet you. Well, we've got one more person we're going to introduce you to, but... I just want to point out, whilst we're talking to all men today, because that's who's in on a Friday, we do have about 20 women volunteering here. And, and that's from refurbishing sewing machines to sharpening drill bits to doing all the knitting machines and all the hand knitting and sewing kits upstairs. So we don't want to give a false impression. No. We're all men because <laughs> we're not. And I'll be in ever so much trouble with yeah, the ladies yeah, if I don't happened? say I've, that. Yeah, just so happened, this is the day that we were going to do it. So, yeah, I'm sorry that we haven't got the right cross section, really, have we? It's unfortunate, yeah. but never mind. But now we'll go upstairs onto the mezzanine and where we have our IT department and Graham is the manager up there and he's just achieved a thousand computers refurbished this year wow. so far which is our highest ever I think so we'll pop upstairs yep. and have a chat to Graham. That sounds great right we'll uh, ascend the steps as we go on this is this is an enormous warehouse and then this mezzanine section is up a flight of steps which hopefully I won't be puffing and panting when we get to the top but uh, right got lots more boxes up here bags of things ready to go there is stuff everywhere this is just incredible graham yeah so this is your department yes it's <laughs> it's the one i'm most involved with yes yes yeah. and and just to explain what i'm looking at here i'm seeing laptops keyboards mm -hmm. modems mm -hmm. mice every lead Possible power leads and more besides. Yes, more besides. you can't see. Yes, <laughs> so you get sent all sorts of things. We do. Um, yes, <clears throat> excuse me. We get sort of obviously uh, PCs from members of the public who donate them, um, laptops as well, and we do get the occasional uh, lucky find or approach from companies and/or schools and colleges, mm. so, which helps to boost up numbers in techno you know, quite a lot. Um, we recently had a, a company called Strike in Colchester, they were sort of downgrading, severely downgrading their office space, and we came home with 50 plus monitors, a load of PCs, because they just had to offload them. Yeah. So we, they got in touch with us, and I said, yes please, and we went down and collected a, a van, and two vans full. Fantastic. Yes. So that must mean that you just, out of nowhere, can just be inundated with all sorts of equipment of various types of quality, capacity. Mm -hmm. And, and age, and, and age. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's usually, it's, it's feast or famine, you know, it's peaks and troughs because obviously, you know, the schools, when they have a holiday, they sort of start rummaging through um, cupboards and think, oh, we'll have some of those, you know, where can we get rid of those? And then we take those on. After Christmas is a good time because people have suddenly got new stuff. So what do you do with the old? Mm. And it's, it's it, things like that. You can never say a, a regular week or a regular month. Yeah. But, we try and manage it the best we can because we fulfil most requirements on each container. Right. So, uh, 
Right. So do you have an objective of a certain number of machines or laptops or something to get well, on each container? Well, they let us know what so they like. Order, yeah. really. We try yeah. and um, do a, keep a stock, but at last it does prove um, taxing at times. Yeah, Because you know, sure. they say, we like 30 PCs. Right, OK. <laughs> yeah, which is lovely. But yes, it is. It's yeah. nice to know they go out there. And we just, we just keep pushing them out, you know, PCs and laptops, and what we've got they can have on the container. Fantastic. Simple, supply and demand. Supply and demand, they demand and we supply. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So what happens when a machine comes in here? So, for example, I'm just looking at, there's a laptop down uh -huh. there, looks reasonably new, what, probably in the last 10 years, right. I suppose? Well, yeah. And what we, would you do with that? Right, well, we first, we try and stipulate what we can have as an operating system, like Windows on there. Yeah. And we've upped the stakes because we used to get some at least 20 years old Goodness. old windows stuff yeah. so we're now saying please can you supply if it's windows 7 which is about two steps back then we can upgrade those to something half decent but yeah. um we will once we get one we'll ask do you want it wiped anyway do you want a certificate in return which some companies do for sure. basically a, a data a trial yeah you know, so, so they can trace protection that's it yeah um, yeah. We do a run a, a, a program called Kill Disk, and it'll go and black the whole hard drive, and also the proof of that it's been done either electronically or hard copy. You see, right. so on that basis, that's how we work. We yeah. don't have to go into it. We just put the program on it and wipe it straight away. Yeah. It can take time, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. So and set other, things up. That's yeah. right. Otherwise, it's just a straight case of them. Um, we just wipe the hard drive, and then load, reload. Windows 10 on there, which is sort of latest, plus uh, an Office suite of programs similar right. to Microsoft Office, but free. Yep. Brilliant. And a couple of other bits. And we make sure once it's out of the box and hooked up, plugged in, it works. Lovely. They've got, at the other end, they've basically got nothing to do except use it. Fantastic. If it works, not like that. Yeah. Goodness. That sound just sounds so easy. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be yeah, sort of. It's, when you get a batch of them, you think, right, okay, we can boom, 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 and literally yeah. set up a, a almost production line. Yeah. But it's so varied, and um, unfortunately, we don't send. Although people do send in Apple products, um, we don't send those out because they're too not mainstream, you might yeah, say. Yeah. But More specialist in the support that you need for them, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I, I, we can rebuild them, but we we tend to sort of oddities. I call them. Not nicely, but oddities, um, we will try and offload on eBay because right. it does provide income for yeah, us. Because yeah. when we get some items in, like laptops, all they need is a battery or a keyboard. So I, you know, it funds those sort of things. So we don't, we ever really throw things away. Mm. We can recycle as much as we can, and then recycle and use it. Yeah, fantastic stuff. So how many of you are there in this team? Uh, well, there's obviously myself, and there's. John, we've got two Johns, and they come in. One John comes in on a Monday and a Thursday, and then the other John comes in because he does a lot of work for on our websites as well. Right, right. But although he is sort of PC trained, if you like. So yeah. Basically, it's just the three of us, and we just muddle through. I just think, get as through as best you can. Yeah, yes, amazing. Yes. Yeah, so whereas downstairs we've been looking at all sorts of tools and mm -hmm. carpentry and electrical and mm -hmm. all sorts of different things there, which... I don't really ever see from one day to the next. This all looks hugely familiar. Mm. And yet, conscious of if it was from our business, I'd be thinking, wow, you've got to make sure that the battery life's okay and the oh, hard yeah, drive's yeah, yeah. all right. So, That's right. So there's still quite a lot that you've got to, to oh, we work do, we, through uh, with we everything. Don't, yeah, it's like you don't send a laptop out 
with a duff battery. What's no, the point? It defeats no, the object. So, yeah. as I say, from the funding, uh, we just add a ba new battery at minimal cost. You know, I have to sort of judge mm. value against costs. Yeah. And uh, it works most of the time. So what response do you get uh, from the... Because these must, as you say, slip into a container, go off to one mm -hmm. of the countries that you're working with. Do you then hear back from... Um, as to where they're being used, how they're being used. Well, we did. Um, I was out and went out on a time trip to Zambia three years, four years ago now, and we could see what we were up to or what mm. what went where. And it's mm. a bit of an eye opener because you know they think they really are up against it out there, um, but they welcome it anything with open arms. Mm. And a friend of mine, she's now just retired as a head teacher from a scorny farmer she said do you want all these uh, netbooks which are small laptops yeah uh, and she said i said oh yes please and she said well proviso can it go to one place can we have proof pictures of it yeah, I said, yeah. and eventually we managed to get some photos of these you know the locals piling in all around these little laptops working That's on that that's it's worth its weight in gold to yeah. see it actually going somewhere yeah and being used properly as, though, as we meant them to. So yeah. it's, it's, it's quite rewarding. Yeah, and as someone else has pointed out, if not, you know, this could be a landfill or just, you know, oh, it's, it's just yes. a thing where it could go. Otherwise. Well, yeah, it, it, we do, I'd say, we do try and recycle as much as possible uh, to the local recycling company, scrap, and they break it down even further, you know, yeah. if it's a dead PC, we try our best. If it is dead, it goes in the skip, and then it gets recycled that way for parts. So, yeah. or, basic materials, you know, plastic yeah. and metal. Yeah. And this is the, the nice thing about it. Often IT equipment at the moment is the one thing people really don't know what to do with when it's finished. Well, that's the rub, you see. You know, you think, well, give us this old stuff. Oh, I've got data. Well, we can wipe it. Well, I'm not so sure. And then you're battling against that constantly. But and then once they get the certificate at the end of it, saying, oh, right, I, I'm, it's obviously a case of if they know it's working, they'll pass it on to their friends, etc. Yes. What you might call domino effect. Yeah. So if one sees it's okay, the rest, oh, right, why didn't I know that? And we just wish, if they, I wish sometimes they just didn't try and wipe it and just take it out. Yeah. Because the mounting for the hard drives is never the same in any PC, even in the same manufacturer. Right. So you're stuck, you know, because you don't want a hard drive bashing mm. around. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we, we, we get by. Yeah, well done. That's amazing work. Thank you very much for yeah, telling welcome. us all about it. No yeah, worries. Lovely. Thanks, Graham. Thank yeah. you. Nice to meet you. So we're now next to the IT department is the, the sewing kit, and we have about twelve, you know, women who come come in here every week. So every sewing machine has to go out with basic materials because it's it's true. The same with carpentry kits going out with screws and nails because they're going to people who are ultra poor. They have no money. So that they can get wood easily, they can get material very easily, but in air, but screws and nails cost quite a lot. And for the same machine, um, the tape measures, the scissors, the, the, the thimbles, the cottons, the pins, all of those things are quite expensive initially. Mm. So we, we send out enough that they can make a few things, and then as they're selling them, then they can replenish. But they have to have... You know, that first step is the hardest. Mm. So we have to send them. So we have, yeah, about 10, 12 ladies who come in most days and are putting together a sewing kit for every single sewing machine. So they're doing about 3,000, 3,500 a year. Mm. And that's quite a challenge mm. um, to do that every time. So this is normally a very busy department 
but not on a Just Friday. Just on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, there's these little bags that are down here, and that's where kits go yes, into yes. those. I mean, we have a little haberdashery guide, and and people, men and women, all over the country, you know, make these little bags for us, and they end up um, here. And then those are the bags that are filled. So again, very environmentally responsible. It's old material not being used. And then those bags will be kept mm. for years and years and years when they yeah. get, when yeah. they get in, in country. And 90% of what goes into the kits, again, is all, is all donated. Mm, amazing stuff. It's always just, I've just been talking with um, Graham, Graham about those, yeah. these things of thinking, well, you know, where, where will this stuff go? What life will that change in having this? And it is just the way that it is that uh, it's often women who will receive the sewing kits. And, yes. you know, it gives them a degree of freedom and autonomy that otherwise they just wouldn't have. And that's it. Most sort of women would be classed as vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, unemployment is rife and the men don't tend to have the initiative of the of the ladies mm. so they are they are the driving force for most developing mm. world economies certainly mm. it, we found that in africa yeah so again you know their concern is i can't send my children to school so i want i want to learn tailoring to put food on the table and to send my children to school and of course, and the knock-on effect is those children then have an education, so they hopefully will find it easier to find work. Mm. They will then have skills they wouldn't have had otherwise. So, it, so the ripple effect just goes on and on mm. and on. But invariably, it does start with women wanting to get that financial independence um, and money of their own and the dignity of that and the mm. friendship you know, yeah. that, that, comes, that comes with that and the support that they, they wouldn't have had. So in one sense, we're, they are going into a tailoring group, but actually that then gives them the friendship and the support. And if they are in an abusive relationship, and a great many women are, then that's, that's their way out. Because mm. they know, and we hear so many stories, I've heard so many firsthand, of where a husband has been very abusive and the woman is powerless. Mm. So she goes and speaks to the group, mm. and the whole group go and confront the man. It's still a brave thing to do. Mm, mm. You know, and, and you know, 20 or 30 African women all shouting at you is, will scare anybody. Mm. And it stops it. It stops the abuse there and then. Mm. And then all the other men also say, right, okay, I can't carry on any longer. Yeah. And it's totally life transforming. And it begins with the sewing machine. Yeah. But what that sewing machine will achieve is far more than just making clothes. Amazing. Yeah, incredible. Right, lovely, very good. Well, thanks for filling us in on that bit. So now we're, we're in the office and we're with James. James joined us about 18 months ago as our fundraising and communications apprentice. He's now finished that course, so he's now the fundraising and communication officer. And he looks after all our, all our social media, all our messaging, 
Well, actually, James does pretty much everything <laughs> in that field. We often describe him as a resident genius. He'll get embarrassed, but oh, that's wow. what that's what I that's what it's I tend to, to I tend to, to say yeah, anyway. So please meet James. James, hi, good hi. to talk with you. It's very nice to meet you, Colin. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, so yeah, you joined here what eighteen months ago? We were just hearing. Yes, it was June last year. I started. I joined, and then I started the apprenticeship a few months later in September. Yeah. I just had my exam Wednesday, actually, my final apprenticeship really? exam. So, yeah, yeah. so what were you doing prior to working here or prior to taking up the apprenticeship? Yes, yeah, so it was completely different, actually. I was an English teacher in China for, right. for two years uh, prior to this. I was living and studying there. So it was quite different, but I think it, it has transferred because now I do communication, so all the English skills are something I use every day, writing you know, yeah. blog articles and newsletters and things like that. Yeah. Wow, amazing stuff. And um, t- yeah, so yeah, I mean, you've just referred to a few of the things you do, but you know, what does your role consist of from that point of view? Yeah, it's quite varied, really. I'd say it's mostly focused on the digital side of things. That's a big part of, of my role. And what we want to push is diversifying our audience and breaking more into the, the digital age. So we have this digital platform to expand upon. So I run sort of Facebook advertising campaigns. I write our email newsletter, our blogs, I do our, I manage our website. Um, it's, it's all these, these kind of digital aspects of it, including um, tracking analytics of the website to make sure that it's optimised well. It's, it's mostly digital, but I also do design some leaflets and some of the press that we use uh, in our publicity. So can you measure the success of different forms of communication and see what is most effective? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we... Um, when we run Facebook ads and things like that, you can you can see the analytics and see what's been most successful and whether it's most successful to, for example, ask people for a donation or instead to ask them to follow the page so that you can then ask them for a donation later on. So yeah, you can see which which stage is more effective on each platform. Um, so that's what we found, for example, is that a traditional mailing campaign is better to ask people for donations because mm-hmm. they're already supporters, mm-hmm. um, whereas People on social media who've never heard of us because we're still a small organisation, it's better to ask them just to follow and and Mm. stay up to date with our activity and things like that and then develop them later on. Mm. It's been interesting talking to the guys on the in the warehouse, shop floor, whatever you refer to it as, I don't know, about what sort of drives them. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting actually that for many of them, it's not solely where the end user is getting a benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, you know, one of them made a really good point about, you know, landfill, that all of this stuff would just be chucked somewhere mm-hmm. and and now they're able to make another good use of it. And the other was just the social aspect of finishing work whenever that might be, 50s or 60s, and losing that contact with other people mm-hmm. that actually you can re-establish here. Um, and those are just two things that just had never dawned on me. Obviously, seeing the end use is great, but yeah, it's those other aspects of what you do that are actually really powerful. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, th- I think the focus is and always will be Africa. That's the, the, the core of what we do. But something that we've over the past year tried to refine and to push a lot more is this three part message that we have of our impact of Africa, the UK and the environment mm. and if you see in our um, about us leaflet that's that's how we sort of spin the message in publicity now because we do notice you know we have nearly 500 volunteers across the UK and mm. a lot of them are with us for 
um, situations like that that help their mental health. It's the it's the camaraderie of, mm. of of being around people and doing something that they know makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the the environmental credentials are something that we are very proud of and, mm. and feel that we, we we should be pushing more. I think because it's a it's a large part of what we do. It's a you know, it's a, a recycling scheme as mm. well as a, a way to create livelihoods. Yeah. And is there then a secondary aspect, I suppose, for people in the UK where there might be things that over Christmas they receive, it's a replacement tool, a replacement mm -hmm. laptop, it's a re mm -hmm. where there's going to then be an opportunity in the new year to, to say, actually, don't just throw it away, don't just chuck it in the skip or something. Mm -hmm. But actually there is somewhere in Suffolk that will make a really good use of that. It will help... Men and women who, you know, are you know improving their mental health here in this building, but also the primary purpose, as you say, is it's going off to help other people. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, that's what we would love to be is is the household name essentially, because mm. we we have people who they they ring us up and say, my friend told me about you. Um, it's unfortunate that last year I had some tools I didn't know what to do with them I had to bring them to the tip because they didn't mm. know what to do with them mm. if, if people knew we were here or that we are across the country and they're able to give their tools to us we we hope to be able to you know be able to intervene and stop those tools from from getting thrown mm. away um, and as you say the, the impact of just donating a sewing machine is not just on the person who receives it it is mm. on the fact that it's not going to go to the tip someone is going to to be able to be part of that and use their their skills to make a, a difference. Yeah, that is amazing. Now we have really focused on, and most of this is focused on Suffolk. That's you know a big issue for us. But you are expanding now, and you have got other places that you work in across the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you know Ipswich is our our headquarters. Um, we have just opened a new refurbishment centre in Rugby, which the site is actually larger than this one. And um, eventually it's going to be able to match the same number of containers. We send 16 containers a year from Ipswich. And uh, the goal is that Rugby will be able to match that and double the number that we send. But yeah, across the country, we have volunteers who collect for us and who and we have five vans across the country who drive around and pick up all the tools the collectors have collected from mm. members of the public. Mm. Um, recently, we've we've started this new initiative called Local Groups, which encourages people to uh, essentially that set up a group to support TWAM on a sort of larger scale basis, which can include things like tool refurbishment and you know running fundraising campaigns and things like that. So yeah, it really is nationwide. Uh, we have another refurbishment centre in Halstead as mm. well, which is a smaller one that does our mechanics kits. So yeah, whilst this is our headquarters, it very much is a, a sort of national effort mm. to, to, to getting the tools sent out. Yeah, that's amazing. And it must be nice for you to be able to use your skill set of communication and probably got plenty of IT in there to make a difference to so many lives and as you say the environment as well. Absolutely yeah it's 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 such a pleasure working here and I'm very fortunate that I get the opportunity to to learn new skills a lot of the software I use I didn't actually know how to use it before I started working here. Did you tell them that in the interview? I, I did actually I, I I did but I did put forward the you know I'm I'm the kind of person I like taking a lot of online courses and things right. like that any chance to learn a new piece of software I'll yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll take it on so yeah I you know I've, I've been given this the scope to do that even if it's been said okay um, maybe you don't know how to use this piece of software but I'm, I'm given the platform and the time to go and learn it. So, yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to not only improve my own skills, but know that I am contributing to the mission in, in the process of it.
So Paul is our volunteering coordinator. And of course, being a, a charity, we rely entirely on volunteers. We have about 450, 500 in this country, a couple of hundred overseas. So recruiting and looking after them is our bread and butter. We would not be here without our volunteers. And Paul sort of heads up the little volunteer team that looks after that. Well, over to you then, Paul. Let's find out about what's your everyday work consist of. Yes, as, as Mike said, um, we rely very heavily on volunteers. And as we go forward, we're looking to recruit a lot more volunteers to enable us to expand as we're hoping to. So on a daily basis, um, part of my role is obviously is dealing with existing volunteers. Obviously, if they've got particular issues or questions, some of them can be resolved by the wider team, but there's certain things that they won't know that relate solely to the volunteering. But a lot of my work is regarding trying to get new volunteers on board. So that may be looking at sort of ways that we can do that through volunteer centre and websites, um, through local advertising, I'm liaising with colleagues like James on social media, social media out there. And yeah, just really just trying to get our roles in the public sort of face. Mm. Alongside that, there's roles, obviously, that are in, there's applications that are in process. Mm. So I maybe sort of take some of the references up or send the final paperwork out to them for, um, for their perusal and signature. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a very varied um, role at the moment. Actually, I'm really planning a sort of a plan for next year and looking to really just support the volunteers further in terms of training and resources. Um, but yeah, we've got, we've got a great team works alongside me um, as a lady called Kath, but we get support by other office volunteers and looking to recruit, I think one more part-time volunteer. So going forward, we've we'll a team of three of us that can really just focus on volunteering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how did you come across TRAM yourself? How did, it, how did you get to hear about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think being a local charity, I sort of heard about it as a charity. But about four or five years ago, um, I'd come my previous job for health reasons. Um, I had a situation with depression and anxiety. And I was in a completely different sort of um, sort of area. I used to actually used to work in insurance. But I'd often, I'd often felt I would like to work in the charity sector, but it's one of those things I would never have jumped ship from a, a higher paying job to that but that gave me the chance to obviously as I recovered from my um, ill health to reevaluate. and yeah you know, I was looking looking for those and obviously I saw saw the role advertised at twelve. At the time it was actually more administrative because the volunteering has grown over the last couple of years and I think I became volunteering coordinator probably about eighteen months ago. But yeah I saw 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 it and as I say I'd heard of the charity vaguely had a look online and like the website as I'm really impressed by it applied and obviously got the got the job and I mean when, when I sort of first came in here to sort of see that that warehouse um tools it's um I think people haven't been in here it's sort of it blows them away because yeah. you don't and to think our rugby centre when it's up and running fully that's going to be just slightly bigger than this so yes. yeah. it's really it's been fantastic but yeah that was how I come to hear about it and as I say, the people I've spoken to about it, it's sort of just really on board. Actually, my wife actually volunteers two two days a week in here, so um, 
and she, 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 I mean, she loves it as well. So it's a, yeah. it's a, uh, we got a daughter, a teenage daughter, and she says when when she's old, I thought, what do you want to do? I want to volunteer with Twam. <laughs> <laughs> so, which, which is great. So um, it's great. To, young, younger people are obviously interested. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fantastic, isn't it? So are you then looking after the volunteering aspects in rugby as well? So you're yeah, to try to recruit there too. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's been obviously a lot more of a challenge because. Obviously, firstly, obviously, we got we had a small set of commentary, but we haven't got a large set a large presence in the rugby area itself. So you're really sort of starting from scratch and trying to do that remotely as well. Is obviously um, mm. is not easy. When you look, at, I think I think there was I think there was some hope that from, that we might obviously get a real big when we sort of open the centre. We have loads of volunteers. I think in practice that was never going to happen. It's a gradual build up. And I mean, it is building up most weeks. I get one or two more applications in. So the team over there is gradually um, building up. But then, yeah, so that's been a bit of a challenge. But it's a, it's a, it's a good challenge, sort of. Um, mm. um, and it's, I think it's an exciting time as well. I'm looking for that, but also looking to get more volunteer collectors on board and introduce a couple of new roles as well. So... We're trying to expand all over the place. I think the eventual, I mean, I don't know how many volunteers ended up with eventually, but I mean, my, I mean, my target in mind is at least seven, seven hundred, seven hundred fifty. Mm, so goodness. that's probably three of the more than Mike says yeah. probably is at the moment. So that's, I mean, it's not a target I've been given; it's a target I set myself, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And and as far as uh, where you are here in, in Ipswich, yeah. um, is it still the objective to try and grow this, as in get, bring in more volunteers? Yeah, to to to, to the extent that we can, um, our you know our centre of centre manager here is actually got days leave today, but um, he's says there's certain areas that he really could do with extra volunteers. Um, certain days, a certain say certain say, sewing machines, for example, there'll be certain days we've got perhaps only one or two people or not sufficient. So, I think um, we've started we started recently a bi-monthly meeting which I had with him, the rugby centre manager and office manager here. And just looking at obviously what the volunteer needs are, and I mean, I think we're probably yeah we're probably still a bit light to what we'd like to be as a, as a standard. And as he said, his dream figure is probably another twenty on top of that. But so yes, yeah, so there's still scope to grow here as well. We're not talking more office volunteers as well to help with other aspects of that. So there's scope to grow. But I mean, we've got a really good team here at Ipswich alone, so it's um. It does a lot of work, good work. So. so I'm just thinking if there's someone who's listening to this and one of the interesting things is particularly talking to people out on the, you know, who are preparing tools and so on and they're thinking to themselves, you know, I like that idea of being with other people instead of, you know, I've retired early perhaps and, you know, I miss the camaraderie, I miss the social interaction with others. Uh, and if they're listening to this, thinking to themselves, oh, I'd be quite interested in just coming and having a look. Mm. What would it be you that's one person to speak to? Yeah, absolutely. Probably, I think probably the first first instance. Obviously, I can give them a bit of an overview of what the roles we've got and how how it works. Um, but yeah, if they want to, have, if if I play, if they want to come and have a look round, that's not an issue. I mean, I can speak speak to myself. It may well be that I would delegate the actual tour to um, our apprentice, shall we do? Because he. Yeah. If they've got questions at tools, he's far better to answer than I am. Sort of, I mean, I've, 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 my knowledge of tools has grown a lot in the four years I've been here. But I still was always think if he's if he's free, he's but but yeah, absolutely. In terms of speaking to and taking it forward, I'm probably the first point of contact. And on website as well. I mean, we've got a really a really good sort of website, the volunteering website. Yes. 
um, and we're looking at going forwards next couple months, hopefully, to introduce a more electronic sort of volunteering management system to enable us to, mm. and that would help the volunteers as well. That we get, they would do a lot of stuff online themselves mm. in terms of their sort of their volunteering journey. So yes, yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing that I think has really struck me perhaps more than anything. I've, yes, of course, I've seen in the past about where the tools go. I don't think I've quite understood quite how many. Yes. <laughs> I think that's really struck it, me. It's a lot of tools. <laughs> but actually, it's the sort of almost the mental health aspect for volunteers is absolutely incredible and the difference it makes to people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, put, we have volunteers in the centre who do suffer with their mental health and it's obviously can be a great sort of thing for them to come in but we have other other people on the autistic spectrum mm. or people who need a support worker that they, that works as well for them mm. but also as you, as you said I think you just said a few moments ago the older people who are retired or particularly somebody say has lost their partner mm. um, say lost their wife or whatever you early it would be great it would be a great sort of um, it's a great way for them to get sort of that social interaction I'm trying that I'm trying that actually with my dad we lost my mum Four years ago, and he's 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 still suffering in terms of. Mm. But but I say it so far, I sort of haven't managed to convince him. He's sort of I think it's that sort of that just pushing that step, put your foot through the door sort of thing. Just give so it a try, exactly, yeah. so I would just yeah. keep prodding him. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a great it's great for people who have got any sort of help mental health needs or. Or, or loneliness needs as well. So, yeah. yeah. And, and again, we do just have to be clear that obviously all the conversations we've had today just happen to be with men, but you, ha- you, you have roles of all descriptions for anybody, whatever they're. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we have a specific haberdashery section. We obviously have a, several uh, female office volunteers. We have two or three actually volunteers, anybody in the centre. But also, there's some of our remote roles like speakers, collectors, local group leaders. They're all open to men or women. So, so nothing, nothing is close to um to any to either gender. So yeah, no, that's it. Um, and that's the, I think that's the bit that's just you know quite enlightening to me. Just seeing all the different things going on here. There's something mm. that anybody could absolutely do or something that will suit somebody somewhere. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. As I say, I think that's been the joy of actually choosing a few new roles like. Looking to sort of set up local groups, we had a couple of organic ones that had set themselves up, but they were looking that for that sort of focusing on that, and also people to sort of support our volunteers in their local area, sort of as a sort of because as we get bigger, I can't support all the time every sort of remote volunteer. So getting volunteers locally has has been sort of has been a really good opportunity, and so there's roles for people. And there's most people who have got some good knowledge and have been really fortunate to get some really skilled volunteers um, and been able to introduce extra things into what Club does based on who's come forward. So. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Well, thanks, Paul. It's been lovely to hear about the work that you do, yeah, but also just the enthusiasm you have to bring other people into the into the centre. No, that's great. And thanks for the opportunity to obviously um, to get the word across. Yeah, no problem. was a real eye-opener to uh, walk around the warehouse uh, to meet people whose lives themselves have been changed through the work of Tools with a Mission. So I hope that you found that to be of interest. As ever, I'm indebted 
to Joy Day, who carries out all our graphics and makes them all work, to Sally Birch for booking up our speakers and ensuring we have really interesting content, and to Kevin Birch for making sure that uh, the recordings that we bring back are all then edited and prepared appropriately, ready to be put online. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Suffolk Money Podcast, supported by Kingsfleet. Um, I've really enjoyed the work we've been doing this year, the people we've spoken to, the things we've learnt, the organisations that we've found out about. And we hope that during 2023, we'll continue to give you some really interesting people to listen to. So once again, uh, thank you for joining us. We look forward to speaking with you again soon.